0: most precious assets and we all want to do everything we possibly can to give them the very best opportunities in life and help them succeed and reach their full potential. We try to provide them with the best education, the best opportunities, the best training, the best possessions, the best environment, the best clothes, the best vacations, the very best of everything. We want to give them every possible advantage. But do you know that there is a very simple way to provide your child with one of the most important advantages in life? And here it is, by providing them with the foods that give them the right nutrition for their bodies and brains. Research shows that the first 1,000 days of life are crucial for brain development, and food plays an extremely important role in brain development during that first critical stage and beyond. Good nutrition is essential during childhood as it is a time of rapid growth, development and activity. The ways that the brain develops during pregnancy and during the first two years of life are like scaffolding. They literally define how the brain will work for the rest of a person's life. This early development of the brain is so crucial because it sets the pattern for life. How the brain begins is how it stays for life. The ability to learn, memorise, the processing speed of the brain, and its ability to multitask or plan are all developed during the early years of a child's life. And it's also a well-known fact that parents have more influence on a child's eating habits than any other person. What a responsibility. So today, we're going to find out more about simple ways to make and keep the commitment to giving our children the right foods, the superfoods for their bodies and brains, and ensure we give them the very best start to life and put them on the pathway to success and happiness. to the kitchen today to find out about the best foods for our children's brains and development. Neuroscientists have been studying the workings of the human brain and how the food we eat affects the way it functions. Their research shows the critical link between the food we eat and the health and well-being of our body and brain. Our guest today, Dr Delia McCabe, is a psychologist and nutritional neuroscientist who has focused on nutrition and the brain for over two decades. Delia holds a PhD from Adelaide Medical School and is the author of two successful books. Delia, welcome to our program today. We're delighted that you could join us to share your latest research on the best foods, superfoods for our children.
1: Thank you, Gary. I'm delighted to be here to share this information.
0: Delia, we all want our children, our grandchildren, to be smart and successful. So when should we start thinking about giving them, our children, the best foods?
1: Gary, we actually need to make sure that our nutrition is optimal before we fall pregnant as mothers. Because that fetus depends on our nutrient intake for its development and growth. So that's quite a serious responsibility for mothers. The second thing to keep in mind is that we are born with our full complement of neurons. That means we don't grow more neurons after we're born, but those neurons connect with each other, either optimally or sub-optimally, according to the nutrition we provide and the environment we provide for our children. So we've got a lot of responsibility as parents and it's really important to get that nutrition right.
0: So then, Delia, what is the best food for babies?
1: The best food for babies is the food that mothers carry and make on their bodies, breast milk. It's what nature intended for us and it has got the perfect mix of both macro and micronutrients. If a mum can't breastfeed, she has to go and search for the best milk she can. And there's lots of donor clinics that now women actually can approach to get breast milk. And if she can't do that, she needs to make sure that the formula she chooses is an organic formula with the right ratio of essential fats.
0: Helia, why is it so hard to feed our children natural and healthy food today?
1: Gary, it's a huge challenge because they're large corporations with million dollar advertising budgets that target children's inquisitive brains to get them curious about color, texture, little toys that come with the food, and all of those added incentives make it really hard for children to like and enjoy good food. You know, children's brains are very distractible, and when they see all these bright colors and these little toys and these little gadgets, they naturally gravitate to that. So parents are having a real challenge today to get their children to engage with natural, real food, which is where the challenge comes in. And we've got some tips for that.
0: Why are some of the old-fashioned ways to feed children better than today's modern options?
1: I love this question, Gary, because you know, in the olden days, what we used to do, we used to naturally introduce children to food as they became old enough to eat it. So they would get the mushy food from the adult's plate, and then they'd get food that was a little bit harder to chew. So their taste buds and their teeth and their natural curiosity about what their parents and grandparents were eating was naturally catered to. And they slowly became acclimatized to natural food. Today, the whole industry is dedicated to specific age groups. And, you know, as we've just mentioned, that isn't targeting children's health. It's targeting the bottom line of these huge, huge food processing companies. So in the olden days, it was much more of a natural process. The child was curious. The parent let the child taste that food. If they didn't like it, they discarded it and they tried something else. It was a much more um, intuitive process, whereas today it's much more clinical and it's not taken into account that children have a brain development that needs to be in tune with their environment and what they are presented with.
0: So what are the long-term effects of children not eating healthy foods?
1: If you've missed that window of opportunity, then the child's brain will not be optimized around that particular set of acquisition or skills. Now, the challenge is that if the diet is suboptimal, that means that those windows of development can't be optimized. So it's really important for parents to take this information and use it as soon as they find out about this, because the brain is really greedy, it's developing very, very quickly, and those nutrient deficiencies will affect how the brain develops and how it functions and how the child interacts with the world around it. So it's critically important that these kinds of foods form the foundation of what the child
0: eats. The foods that are here with us today on on our bench.
1: Absolutely, Gary. And you know, we spoke a little bit about how difficult it is to feed children well today. So we have to have a few tricks. So let's just show you um, something that that I figured out we need to do. So children love activity sets. They love picking and choosing and examining things. what we have here is a wonderful little opportunity
0: for children to do just that. Oh, wow. What a selection of colorful, beautiful foods.
1: Now, the way children's brain develops and the way their taste buds develop is really interesting because most children do not like mushy food. And why? Because in nature, mushy food is often off. So the brain has to develop to the point where it realizes that it may be mushy, but it's actually still healthy. And that's why modeling the right kind of eating is very important. But here we give the child a selection. They can try a mushy pea and see if it's okay or not. And if they don't like it, they can leave it. They can try a chickpea. Look at the beautiful berries. Yes. Have one. They make magnificent Oh,
0: nifosate. can I go back to my childhood and try a berry? Oh. See, blueberries. Mm, There's mm. some red kidney mm-hmm. beans.
1: Here we've got little broccoli florets. We can call them little branches. There we've got crisp apple and we've even got a few little chocolate nibbles for okay. the child.
0: Okay.
1: So the child gets to try all this different kind of food. So
0: let's just go through them again. You've got some peas, some corn, some chickpeas. You've yes. got some blueberries, some strawberries, raspberries. It looks like some pear here. Yes. Then you've got cherry tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes. And some red capsicum. Yes. Then your chalky nibbles. Yes. And then the apples, and then uh, even some broccoli. Wow, so it's a good selection of fruit, vegetables, colorful, attractive, even some beans.
1: Absolutely, and you see, what we're trying to do is to get the child curious, but not have any emotion attached to it. So we don't get upset if they don't like something. Mm-hmm. And then we make another set, another day, with a few other different kinds of foods.
0: So you're giving them plenty of exposure to plenty of variety.
1: Absolutely, that's what we want to do. Instead of them getting used to very processed, very refined and very sugary foods. You know, for example, these are not what we want children to eat, at all. But guess what, look at them. They come in very colorful packages, children like that. So we have to compete with the people that are trying to get them to eat rubbish and look at the colors that we can expose them to. But we have to make it fun for them. And we don't need any emotion attached to it because when there's emotion attached, the child learns something really interesting. And this is where my psychology background comes into play because at about age of two, where children are experimenting with the environment and trying new foods and looking at their world, they find the magical word, no, in their vocabulary. So if a parent attaches an emotion to a child eating a certain food, the child will immediately learn that they have power because they'll just say no. So have no emotion, offer them a wide variety of healthy foods and slowly they learn. These are safe, these are healthy, these are lovely. Some I don't like, some I'll come back to. And in that way, it becomes much more of a natural process. And of course, I shouldn't have to say this, but none of these should find their way into our homes.
0: But it's a challenge, isn't it, because think of the Billions of dollars that go into advertising the fast foods, the sugar-coated, the sweets, etc., etc., the, the drinks. We've got to encourage them with these foods here, and this is a wonderful way to do that—to introduce them and to get them started on eating good, healthy foods.
1: So, Gary, the important thing to remember is that we don't want to deprive our children. So, we want to give them yummy food to eat that they enjoy and that they get a lot of pleasure from, and to do that, we have to get a little bit clever and sneaky. So we need to be able to remove that from their diet and give them oh, something that like
0: That looks like chocolate.
1: It's dark chocolate. Right. But the fun thing is they actually end up playing with this. So have a look at this. When the strawberry is really yes, cold yes. and you dip it into the chocolate, uh-huh. it forms a little bit of a, a coating yes. and then the child eats that yes. and realises it's mushy, but it's still delicious. Right. So you can do me the honours if you want to and
0: eat this. Oh, my. A, a, a chalk coated strawberry. Oh.
1: Now, children can, of course, experiment with this. Mm. They may mm. try the capsicum in the chocolate. and not really like that very much, but then they'll try the berries. So we try... Tried... Oh, that's so good. This yummy, isn't mm. it? And it's really healthy. This is good 70% dark chocolate, and
0: it's really... So, so do you let them suggest that they... They dip other other items into the chocolate as well.
1: What you let them do is have a little bit of fun. Because what happens with a lot of parents, they get really worried about their children's appetite. They get worried about whether the child is eating enough. You'll be making food fun. Try a little bit of this. Although I wouldn't suggest we allow our children to do this after 4 p.m. because chocolate is a little bit of a stimulant. So we want them to sleep really well. Mm -hmm. But this is a fantastic way to introduce them to different foods. And when they've tried a few of them, we just bring the chocolate out and they have a bit of a game. I
0: almost wish I was a child again. (laughs) (laughs) This is so good.
1: It's really a simple thing for parents to do. And mothers can do that with other foods. On a regular basis, and what happens is that children will then say, "Oh, I've never tried that particular food. Let's try that." And slowly, we introduce the naturalness of eating again, the naturalness of eating foods that are as close to nature as possible.
0: Now, sometimes people associate chocolate with one of the bad foods, shall we say. So, how do you how do you see it fitting into our healthy diet here?
1: Well, we wouldn't eat it every day,
0: mm-hmm. but we need. It's to- a special, a treat. It's
1: it's a special food it's a treat but it's got a lot of antioxidants and also if it's 70% dark chocolate it isn't really very sweet if we can get it organic even better so it's not destroying children's taste buds because it doesn't have anything highly refined in it and also it's got great mouthfeel because it's got cacao butter in it which is a really good and healthy form of fat so Not every day, but absolutely fine.
0: But when it's here, let's make the most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good.
1: (laughs) Enjoy it. Mm. And I think it's a really important thing for parents to understand that this isn't about making their children feel deprived. The other trick to do, of course, is before your children go to birthday parties is give them their favourite meal. So that brings us to a point where I will show you something that children can eat, which is really yummy. It allows them to have a little bit of a play or a little bit of, a, of an activity set yes. and it gives them the opportunity to really fill up on lovely food before they head out to a party where there's a lot of for sure yeah. there's a lot of junk mm-hmm. you know? what we just try to discard we'd rather give them something so like that.
0: you fill them up before they get to the party yes you fill them up on good food
1: you do and uh-huh. guess what the magic is Gary they get there and they actually play Yes. While all the other children are standing at the birthday table and eating a whole lot of garbage, your children are there to do what they were meant to do at parties, play. So I suggest that to parents, and it's a really simple strategy so that children don't gravitate to the really bad food. And if they do, we don't add any emotion to it once again. We just treat it as something that's happened.
0: What a good idea. <laughs>
1: Have a taste. And these healthy,
0: healthy sure, corn chips... Yes. Yes.
1: And once again, you're giving them the option to try something Uh that's mushy. Right. But also tastes great.
0: So your avocado guacamole, is it? Is this?
1: It is. Mm. You see, the brain naturally gravitates to things that are crunchy, things that are creamy, and things that have got fat in it. And we can provide that in a really healthy way. And we're doing that there by exposing children to that kind of food and making sure that it's a little bit of an activity set because when you put a whole lot of foods out for children as in that example they get to try different kinds of foods and then they don't feel that there's any pressure to eat any of that food so for example we could have a bowl of lightly steamed broccoli right here and then the child could try that and if they don't like it nobody gets cranky it just was part of the meal if there's enough other really healthy food for them to consume then they don't feel any pressure and neither does the parent
0: so Ideally, as parents, we've got to think and plan ahead so that we can beat the big multinational food companies that are spending billions of dollars to feed our children junk. We want them to have this good food, and in order to facilitate that and encourage that, we've got to be smart, we've got to think, we've got to plan ahead.
1: We do. We have to be proactive. But very importantly, we need to model that behavior. And I mm-hmm. always tell In them- In our own diets. Absolutely, yes. because guess what? Children see better than they hear. We can't be telling them to eat like that and then eat garbage ourselves. We need to make sure that our pantries are full yes. of the kinds of food yes. that we eat and that they eat with us. And it's really, one of the things to do is don't bring the junk into your house. Mm-hmm. Don't have a bad drawer. Have a drawer full of some healthy treats yes. for them to enjoy yes. and teach them to make those healthy treats. Because when you get them to feel like they're more in control, helping make meals, helping make snacks, guess what? They're much more inclined to eat that food. But you've got to do it first.
0: So it's do what I do or do like I do, not do what I say. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Children are watching all the time. Yes, yes. Talking about eating, how do you handle meals? Are they important? How, how, how do we deal with mealtime?
1: It's very important to firstly think about meals in terms of the nutrient quantity and quality. Very important, but more important than that, or let's say on a similar level, is the psychology of having meals together as a family. You know, Gary, in today's world with everybody so busy and everyone with a smartphone and a tablet and a laptop, families aren't connecting like they used to. And children pick up very important lessons when they sit around the dinner table or the lunchtime table with their parents. They're not just picking up on what good foods to eat. They're picking up on how to cope with stress, how to deal with difficult situations, how to contemplate this world that we live in. And their parents can offer valuable advice and wisdom over a meal in those circumstances. So it's not just about the food, it's about connection. It's about connecting with your children in a very real way so that they can benefit from your experience as the parent and the adult. So
0: that's where we can really build relationships with our children, with our families, is around that meal table. So it's important not just nutritionally, but also for relationships.
1: Absolutely and I think parents miss that today because everybody's busy and everyone's rushing around and there are activities for children to go to and then the parents are busy at home and we've lost that connection, that family connection which really is a very important foundation for that developing brain because just remember that child goes out in the world every single day and then comes back with questions, with challenges. And to be able to sit at the table in a very relaxed, calm environment and discuss those challenges with the parent really gives that child a head start in life. And of course, the great nutrients add to that child's potential for for living their optimal life.
0: So talking about meal times, the importance of diet and good food, is it ever too late to change our children's diets?
1: Gary, That's a difficult question to answer because the easier it is, is when the child is young because that's when their neural pathways are developing, that's when their taste buds are developing. So as they get older, if they're used to the junk foods, which we don't want to ever expose them to, but if we've made a mistake and we've allowed them to eat that kind of food, they naturally gravitate to that food Mm -hmm. because these companies spend billions of dollars, not just on the marketing of these products, but on the mouthfeel. Now, I'll explain mouthfeel because it's a very important concept and one we've actually addressed under the covers with the food we're introducing to our children. Mouthfeel is the perfect mix of the fat and the salt or the sugar in our mouth. And our mouth prefers a specific kind of mouthfeel. So they have special machines that figure out what the human taste buds really want. And guess what they do? They make food that targets that particular mouthfeel. So if your child has become accustomed to that mouthfeel, they'll have become accustomed to highly processed food that's got a specific kind of crunch, a specific amount of salt, a specific amount of flavorance, and a specific amount of sugar. And all of that obviously makes them gravitate to that food. So you have to slowly and surely introduce healthy foods in a way that doesn't make them feel distressed, that doesn't make you feel distressed when they reject it, but that makes them curious. And obviously the younger they are, the easier that is to do. So it's a difficult question, but it's never, ever too late to try. Because when children are going into their teenage years, you can then really, you can appeal to their vanity because then they may want to lose a little bit of weight or they may want to put on some muscle or they may want their skin to improve. Things that, Teenagers normally gravitate to, and then you can start mentioning, you know, if your diet's better, maybe these things will happen. But once again, if you're busy modeling that behavior, it's a lot easier for them to look at you and say, well, if it's working for you, maybe it'll work for me. So I like to say to people, the best time to change your children's diet is yesterday, but the second best time is today.
0: Wow, Delia, what wonderful information you've shared with us. This research, your latest research on good food for our children and how important it is, you've certainly given us lots to think about, food for thought.
1: (laughs) It's an absolute pleasure, Gary. I love telling parents and people generally about how important it is to feed children and their brains and how it's really not that hard if you use the tricks that we discussed today. Thank you, Gary.
0: Every parent wants the best for their child and this was true even thousands of years ago. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is the story of a young Jewish captive in the courts of the king of Babylon. In 605 BC, after King Nebuchadnezzar defeated Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish, he continued south to attack Jerusalem too. He laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and finally captured the city. Many of the young adults were taken as captives on the long march to Babylon nearly 3,000 kilometres away. Daniel was one of these young men. He was of noble birth and so was assigned to be educated in the ways of the Babylonians in the king's court. Here some of the captives were honoured by sharing the same rich foods that the king and the courtiers ate. But Daniel, remembering the recommended foods from his childhood home, requested that he and his friends be given plant-based foods You can read the full story in the Bible book of Daniel, chapter one. Daniel's request to the chief official regarding their meals was, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. What an amazing request. Daniel and his friends could have eaten the same food as the king and the nobles, but they chose to eat the natural superfoods of their childhood. They chose to follow the diet that would have been told was best for their brains and bodies. And it sure worked. When tested, they outsmarted and outperformed others. They were top of the class. And isn't that what every parent wants? To give their child the best chance to help them to achieve their best? If you would like to know more about the best natural and healthful foods for your child's brain and development, the ones that will give them the best chance to think clearly and achieve their potential, then I'd like to recommend the free gift we have for all our incredible journey viewers today. It's the booklet, 40 Tips and Tricks to Entice Young Picky Eaters. This booklet is for everyone who wants to know some really important tips for encouraging children to eat natural and healthy foods. And it also includes some healthful, tasty recipes. This booklet is our gift to you and is absolutely free. I guarantee there are no costs or obligations whatsoever. So make the most of this wonderful opportunity to receive the free gift we have for you today.
2: Phone or text 0436 333 in Australia or 020 422 2042 in New Zealand or 770 800-0266 in the United States, or visit our website, tij.tv, or simply scan the QR code on your screen and we'll send you today's free offer totally free of charge and with no obligation. You can also write to us at GPO Box 274, Sydney, New South Wales, 2001, Australia. Or PO Box 76673, Manukau, Auckland 2241, New Zealand. Or PO Box 8717, Atlanta, Georgia 30356, USA. You can also email us at info@tij.tv. Don't delay. Call or text us now. If you've enjoyed our time with Dr. Delia McCabe
0: finding out the best natural and healthful foods for our children, and our reflections on young Daniel, who chose to eat the natural foods of his childhood, then be sure to join us again next week when we will share another of life's journeys together. Until then, let's pray to the great God who made the universe. Dear Heavenly Father, every child is precious to you. We pray for the health of all your children. We thank you for our children who you have entrusted to us as part of our families. Truly, they are a treasure from you, Lord. Please lead us as we guide their young lives. May we make wise decisions to ensure their health and well-being. And Lord, ultimately, may our family circles be unbroken and may we spend eternity together in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.